how do you have the courage to be able to say? Oh, oh that's that's the timer but, for the pie. It's the pie moment. <laughs> Fantastic. A bourbon and pie, a bourbon and pie. We're gonna sit down and have bourbon and pie. We talk about that, talk about your past. A bourbon and pie. We're gonna talk about that. The sitting with the drink and the favorite dessert. Welcome to Bourbon and Pie, a podcast where I talk to people about their journeys and how they applied their learnings in an effective and healthy way to their work lives. While we do that, we partake in Bourbon and Pie. I'm Chris Escobar and I coach introverts. At the end of this podcast, I'll tell you more about that and ways to reach me. As for now, these podcasts have all types of tips and tricks, not only for introverts, but anybody who chooses to find a better and more healthy way to work. In this episode, I'm talking to my good friend, Fiona Naughton. Great stuff. And after this recording, I've known her for about four years. And during that time, I found her to be not only a really fun and entertaining person, but an amazing branding and marketing mind. And through her many senior roles and one million mile year-over-year travels, has gained some strong worldly perspectives that serve her well. Those closest to her, like me, enjoy her company and appreciate her wit. And if you're lucky enough to catch a quip or two, she'll leave you with a sore belly from laughing. And although we didn't get too crazy during the interview, there's some tasty quotes that I really like, which is just a glimpse into the window that is true Fiona form. Those quotes are, No one won an Oscar because they stuck to their role. Another one is, be a motive hunter. Try to understand the motives of others. And I'm not going to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Those and many more that you'll hear throughout the podcast. This podcast was recorded in September 2019 at Fiona's house in the Los Gatos Mountains in California. And we're drinking McAllen's Director's Cut and a little nip or two of Jameson. And for pie, we're having an amazing gluten-free apple pie from Mama's Bakery, located in downtown Los Gatos. Well, I'm graduating from coffee. All right, you're and I, I'm, going, I'm going to the McAllen Director's Cut. Let's cheers. Cheers. Bring some smoothness into this. Thank, thank you, you for the for, opportunity. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for doing this. Cheers. Oh. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, That'll work, that's right? something else. Yeah, 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 it's good. Nice. All right. Nice, nice. All right. So I think we're ready to go. Yeah. So, Fiona, I've known you for hmm, going on four years because I started in 2015. Yeah. 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 From PayPal. So here we are. Yes, sir. Doing our first podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I'm really glad to have you on because there's, you're, 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 a, you're a name, you're a character. At, from the work environment, but also um, you've invited me into your personal part of your life, which is I've learned way more about you from all of your friends, especially from your 50th birthday party that was at a castle, <laughs> and you invited people from all over the world, and it was just really impressive, and then seeing the type of people that surround you, it's, it really shows a lot about who you are as a person, and you know, you've, you've created this amazing world, you know, mm-hmm. and your world travel, you go, I don't know, a million miles a year. Is it something like that? It was it. I do a lot. Yeah, I do a lot. I, I think that 
sometimes corporate jobs can be soulless if you don't connect with the real people who, who write the business and live uh, the business every day. So yeah. it's always been important to me to, to be in the beating heart business. Yeah. Um, and it's a different life. You know, the power of power, the corporate HQ, you know, where all the big decisions are made and, you know, the, the big cheeses are walking around has a different environment to the people who are getting the deals done. Yeah. Uh, and I think to have a very sort of clear sense of the stresses they live every day versus the stresses that, that, that the different sorts of stresses that are in the corporate, to share that back and forth and say, sometimes it can be hard to have empathy for mm. somebody who you think is in meetings all day and doesn't do anything, mm. or sometimes you can't have empathy for what it's like not to hit the end of the month. And, yeah. you know, I've tried to bridge that world, and um, hence you get on a plane, you go and you live it. Yeah. And uh, time spent also with people socially yeah. is the greatest harmonizer. Yes. And, yeah. um, you know, you see, you see people who have two lives, a work life and a personal life, <laughs> yeah. or, or a persona for work and a persona that's social. And you see people who's just one authentic self and just, you know, has a, has a spectrum of that person. I've I think seen it's, that. it's important. Yeah, it seems like that's a priority for you because you're being told to stay in corporate and yet you make time to, to make the visits mm. to your team. And, and you mentioned empathy. Is this something that you also bring to your team to have, have them have some realizations as well, at least understanding of what's happening at the different levels? Yes, and I think empathy, in preparing for this, I've been thinking about this a little bit. We've, because empathy in itself is quite a, a mystical mm. entity, you know, what is it? How is it to walk in somebody else's shoes? How does it feel? This now has kind of been broken down a little bit. I, you know, I hear things like listening tours and... Listening tours. Yeah, where, where new leaders come into a business, for instance, and mm. they, they do a listening tour. And really, we should always be listening all the time. There shouldn't need mm. to be a tour. So it may be different when you're new and you yeah. want to come in and just, just hear how people express their way of seeing things. Yeah. Um, but we're kind of... It's a good thing, compartmentalizing empathy, but empathy as a whole and as a spirit in the business, I think is quite hard mm. to, to get your finger on. Mm -hmm. Some people are natural, natural empaths. Yeah. yeah. You are absolutely, an absolute beacon for it. Mm. Is you, um, I think, are, have been a conscience, even in boring teams, you know, web, web redesign teams. How do people feel? What are we achieving together? Do we feel we're aligned? You know, this sort of sense of, of making sure that the mood and the momentum within the team matches the progress and the outputs and all those other things that we measure. Yeah. Well, thank you for noticing that. Here Fiona shares what she's learned by getting a deep understanding of the motives of leaders and how gaps can be formed with their directs. And what she's learned is to create a transparent truth-to-power culture. She also mentions how a stalking horse person or one to be the first to put something out there helps to create a healthy psychological safety dynamic. That is, the person who is first to admit that something's not necessarily going as planned. I think um, part of what I've seen and learned over time is to be a motive hunter. Try to understand their motive. Mm. And yeah. Their passion, their purpose, their... It would Right. And what, what, why does the behavior come out like that? Mm. You know, if, if it is something where they are driven by a standard mm -hmm. or they are driven by a sense of 
I know how to do things right, mm-hmm. you know, and that's their motive, yeah. then they will get a number of behaviors perhaps that are command and control, um, do not invite in inputs, um, or want to see the team acknowledge that they're right. Mm. And then he, he or she can feel really happy that, okay, the team are all together. Mm-hmm. What that often misses though is the team don't know where you're taking them. Right. So you have a team that will say yes, but is completely uncertain mm-hmm. about where they're going. It's very difficult to lead in that situation. Mm-hmm. And yet the leader thinks, I've been abundantly clear. I'm 100% clear. I told them exactly what to do. Yes. What can be wrong? Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, you as an individual is like, are they right? Where are we going? Why do they think they're right? You know, yeah. etc. So, so that that can be difficult. And I think one of the trademarks through my career, um, I'm known as um, no shit. This is it. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, a truth teller. That's a the, the term you actually use. No shit. This is it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, people, when they hear you say that, what do they? Uh, what does it mean to them? To them, it means she's going to tell it how it is. Mm. And when I was first doing this truth-telling, I probably was very, I didn't think enough about how I was telling the truth. I, was, mm-hmm. I had a passion for the truth, mm-hmm. not necessarily a passion, the same passion for the audience. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. came out as being mm-hmm. quite um, harsh. Right. Um, in traveling more and in understanding people who have English as a second language, mm-hmm. and also the increased sensitivity in the workplace around criticism yeah, and constructive criticism and, you know, three goods, one bad, all that sort of ways of trying to make people feel good by telling them tough stuff. Yeah. Um, I've softened the message, but not the content. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that is something that I've done over time. But I find it quite ironic now that there's a thing called truth to power, whereas it shouldn't have to be its own label. It should just be truth. Right. And if you're a good leader, right. people should not have to have a separate way of talking to you as truth to power. <clears throat> they should just talk to you as being able and safe to tell the truth. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about there's someone that would, would lead and they would have uh, a direction that they've, they're, they're selling their team and the team has agreed. Um, and then... Then afterwards, there might be some dissolution about, can I re-say that word, dissolution? Dis- I don't even know if I'm blurring it too much, but <laughs> uh, dissolution about um, making it clear again or about what they were really doing or what they agreed to. I think that happens a lot in teams. Yeah. Um, when that does happen, what are some of the causes? Like, So first thing for, for me is is like, Maybe there is just a, a sense of a pressure for people to just respond and not really speak up at the time. But also maybe they just thought they understood and then they start, started seeing which way it was going and then they started questioning it. Um, there's the, the point of psychological safety where, you know, everybody feels that they could say what's on their mind yeah. um, openly. And that's like a point that um, a lot of teams are, are drive towards. Um, but it's really hard to get there. Um, is there some of that in there where they the people aren't really feeling like safe to speak up or just to kind of question things? I, I absolutely think I think there's there's a number of factors in there. The most um, 
difficult thing for a team member is an unpredictable leader. So if one day you show up and you're open and you're you know, full of, of collaborative talk and you're bringing everybody into the conversation mm. and then the next day you show up and you shut people down, that will bring us the lowest common denominator of behavior because they don't know who's going to walk in the room. Right. So that is, that is a really damaging aspect of leadership is just being unpredictable. Be one or the other and consciously do it. And then if you're somebody who doesn't naturally involve everyone in the room, learn some techniques to do that. Mm -hmm. Be open questions, be yeah. I'm not going to talk for 10 minutes, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. If you know that you have a certain type of behavior that you go towards or a certain style, counter it. And share with the team. Be vulnerable enough to say, you know what? I sometimes forget I've got two ears and one mouth. I am going to shut it for 10 minutes and I want you all to go around the table and tell me out of 10 how you think this is going. Yeah. Don't talk. And then, you know, and, and manage yourself and also make it clear to people that you understand you have some self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So that's one I think is the unpredictable leader. That just closes everybody down because they yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I like that technique. And you find it pretty effective in, in, uh, in running teams that way? I think for certain teams, you know, the, the, you're right about this sort of sense of fear. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have a stalking horse mentality. What do you, what do you, stalking horse? Stalking horse is the horse at the front, you know, that will bring all the other horses through. Ah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't want to be the one, at, you don't want to be Spartacus in this situation, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be the one at the front who says, we're going to miss the deadline. Right. But you think everybody else will do it. Mm. And so you need a stalking horse who's going to be the first to fall. Right. And then you say, yeah, well, I was going to miss my deadline as well. It's not yeah. so bad for you if you're second or third. Mm -hmm. So how do you have the courage to be able to say... Oh, oh that's, that's the timer that, for the pie. the pie moment. <laughs> Fantastic. The pie, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got it. I have to mention. Commercial break. Yes. Um, Mama's Bakery is great. So here I'm coming to Las Gatas. And... I look at Mama's Bakery and I see Monsu, who is the baker at this bakery, and he's just nondescript kind of guy, I guess. Um, and he's got some crazy hair, and he's in flip flops, wearing his baker outfit. And I said, "Is this your bakery?" And I said, "I do this podcast, and uh, I'm picking up a pie for my podcast." And um, he said, "Yeah, well, this is a gluten free, dairy free." pie so kelly boom boom is gonna go crazy because she is gluten-free all the way um but uh the pie is done so we need to go take it out or i don't even know if it's done but we just need to make sure it's not exploding or something so back back all right um you know we're talking about you know the psychological safety and having that in, in the, mm. on the team um and then the fear and um and getting around that and getting some equality in the team to speak up. So that's yeah, great technique. I mean, it's just, you know, we often forget about that and we often forget about those people who just are very unlikely to speak up. Yeah. Um, I think with the counter to the fear is the bravery. So mm -hmm. what does it take to be a brave person in mm -hmm. that instance? And mm -hmm. how can you, the voices in your head that says, this is bad, this is bad. This, if I'd say I'm, I'm missing a deadline, it's bad. Yeah. Through to, if I inform the business that yeah. we have something to manage, it's right. good. I want to do a good thing. Yeah. I don't want to do, declare a bad thing. Yeah. So I think there's some, some sense that you need to program back and perhaps you know a little bit around the maturity of enabling the business to be successful mm. rather than 
confining the business to be difficult. Yeah. Um, right. And, and that, that, that's a hard tune to change because you think, my bonus, my interview, they're going to think it was my fault, you know, and all that sort yeah. of blame piece. When in fact, if you say, you know what, I'm not going to get to the deadline by Friday. I think I can get 60% there, so I think you can do your job, but I need till Tuesday to do the extra 40%. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest gift you can give a team. Yeah. And because you can still enable everybody to be successful and manage manage it. Yeah. But we yeah. don't have a mentality around that. We're so scared of the bad bit. Mm, for sure. You know, like, you've had some change in your approach and thinking, mm. and... I would say recently, probably the past year or so, right? Mm, yeah. What, what, what were those changes that, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about your management style before and, and now yeah. and what's changed and what was it that caused it? I think, um, so one of the big changes that we've had in the year, we've got a, a, a brilliant new leadership model for the marketing at PayPal. Mm -hmm. uh, we never had a, a chief marketing officer we never had a single line of organization. We were always reporting somewhere else. Mm. And often the offshoot of that was non-marketers were judging marketing work. Um, the marketing team themselves were struggling for attention and purpose and aligning goals. So, you know, it was a yeah. difficult environment. Yeah. And in that sort of difficult environment, you're a bridge builder. You know, what can I do to uh, be able to bring teams together? How do we get to a place where we can create win-wins and mutual benefits and how do we help reduce churn? But in an environment where it's fully aligned and that we have you know, a leadership who has a seat at the table, the change that I wanted to bring was help people manage their uncertainty. Mm. Fiona is making a conscious effort to build a sense of autonomy. Many companies speak it, but how can they act on it? It's a founding principle of effective teams. And here, Fiona talks about the how. Um, to be able to use your experience and say, oh, but we're in a different world now. It's different when you have one leader. It's different when the leader is at top table. Um, these are the sorts of things that will change and help people see the future. It's back to that place of, I understand the tactics, but where are we going? Yeah. That place of bringing people people being comfortable with the direction of where we're going and trusting the trusted ones. Mm. And this comes back to the no shit, this is it, Fee. Yeah. Is that, you yeah. know, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, you know, make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to do that. If it's chicken shit, we call it chicken shit, right? So, um, but I am going to say, hey guys, just let's just think about where we're at right now. Yeah. Think about what's different. Marketers doing work as marketing for marketers. Mm -hmm. New world. You know, we're not having our website designs reviewed in product meetings. Right. It's brilliant. Right. You know, we're already in a better place. So that sort of positivity without, you know, putting lipstick on it. I edited out my long and confusing multi-layered question. But in essence, I asked Fiona about roles and responsibilities. She mentioned they often get in the way if that's all you're relying on. And if you don't have empathy or trust. I think, I, I think you've hit a real sort of landmine here. Mm -hmm. The obsession, an unhealthy obsession with roles and responsibilities, mm -hmm. is because there's a lack of empathy. Mm. And the sense that the only place I can go back to and feel secure mm. is my role and responsibility. Mm. So the minute you introduce ambiguity, the minute you ask somebody to 
perform above their role mm -hmm. or to take one of their superpowers and their secret skills and say, you're really good at this, go and do it over here. Trauma, not my roles and responsibilities. And it's a huge barrier to opportunity. It, it, it keeps people low. Um, and, and to me, that sort of sense of, uh, 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 my roles and responsibilities change. No. Did I say they had changed as a manager? Did I say it was different? No. Did I say we need to do something in order to achieve our goal in a different way? Yes. Okay. That means I trust you. As right. a person mm. who I've observed do good things and have great skills to do something different. Mm -hmm. If you want to call that a responsibility, let's call it a responsibility. Yeah. But the truth is, it's because of who you are, you can do more. Yeah. And so people clutch onto these roles and responsibilities, and in some, a lot of cases, it's an inhibitor. Mm. And I understand why, because it's a security blanket, particularly in times of change. It's a security, it's what I stand for, it's how I get paid, it's my job, it's security. So I understand, you know, I have some, some, some sympathy for the situation, but I believe that it, it actually makes you less than rather than more than. And one of the reasons for this book was, was I was looking and reading management books that were one size fits all. And... I'm so far, 11th, um, this is the 11th uh, podcast I've done. So far, the trait to my you know, delight, the trait that I've seen is people um, who are effective come into a role and they see the role and the responsibilities, um, I guess, you know, job description. And then there's the role. And then they've taken it and owned it or changed it and evolved it to, well, that's, that's fine. That works. But, you know, I think this is going to work. And they've kind of, you know, grown it. Um, and that's the one trait I've seen, at least uh, amongst a few, that have been pretty consistent, you know. Mm. Um, and you, you've shown that. Like you, you've, you've changed your methods and, and your thought pattern and, and kind of thought like, okay, this is something I could try and do. Um, and I noticed that as well in my past lives mm. where um, I, I had a position where I was, um, I used to have a role as a packaging manager and then I came into another company as a different role and I was helping the people who were doing packaging and I gave them a list of things and I knew it would be kind of sensitive. And I, and I said, hey, I'm going to send you this to the art directors. Um, and I'm stepping outside of my role as a program manager. Um, and here's the things I've come across that I, I see you guys just starting. And I listed out a number of things and didn't hear back. And then uh, a couple weeks later, I talked to the art director. And he literally laughed at me. He's like, oh, yeah, I saw that. And oh, I saw the answer. And um, it, was, it was one of those things where... You know, it's my, it's my, um, I told you so moments and I didn't say that, but I, mm. it came down to it. And yeah. of the, the things I had listed out, most of them had, they had tripped over them up until the point before lunch. And it was, it was like, that's your role. You, that's what you do. You don't talk about this because you do something different. And in that particular company, it was very clear what your role was and there 
and I and I could see kind of where they're coming from at one point. Like, you know, you wouldn't you know be writing copy for the copywriter, um, but when you do get that sort of input from the other side, um, how do you handle it um, from the you know people who do have some? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think there's there's two forces at work here. One is no one won an Oscar because they stuck to their role. They won an Oscar because they knew their part. Ah, you know, yeah. what is my part here? Right. And that brings in you, right? Anyone can do a role. But what is you that you bring into this that enables other people? You get a better performance from somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, you light up the scenery. You, shit, you, you steal the scene. That gets you an Oscar. And that's, that's the sense of, you know, spiritually... What is your part? What can you bring? And so there you are. You probably knew you were in the fate accompli there, but you're still able to mm. say, right, I'm going to make the effort here to show why you keep tripping over the same stuff. And maybe one time it's not right, but two, three times persistence becomes your friend, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's all there on camera in a way. The other piece I think is that yeah. um, when you think about roles and responsibilities, they are written for the medium. They're written for the, for the mean, the average. Nobody ever yeah. put on their gravestone, so glad I was average all my life. That's, mm-hmm. Why would you let that be your benchmark? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to get bonus at the end. You ask me every time why you're not being promoted. It's because you're living your role. Mm-hmm. Start taking your part. Take your part. You know, good things will happen. I like that. I think that's the, the yeah, Oscar say, metaphor is so good. I like that. Yeah, that's to me. That's that. That's kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that's why I say it's a, it's a it's a low low common denominator position. Is I know my role. Mm-hmm. Where's the agility? Where's the creativity? Mm-hmm. All the best sports people, they don't think of themselves as you know. My role is the playmaker. My role is the defensive point. They think of themselves. How do I create an opportunity? How do I do something different within my role? Yeah. What's my yeah. part on the team? Yeah. And great teams are not the seven best players or the eleven best players. They are a combination of those parts. Yeah. That's 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 why the giant killer teams and the romantic stories are all in sport. Yeah. You know, you listen to Jerry Rice talk about why was he the best wide receiver ever? Work and a sense of vision around what was his part in the team. Mm-hmm. Connection with the quarterback, right? So mm-hmm. nothing to do with his role was to, you know, make the plays. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, it's right before you you mentioned Jerry Rice. I thought of my friend Jeff Nedbet. I played little league with this guy, and he actually was on the Niners. He has a walk on, and um, he played with a lot of these great guys. And he told me um, I met him years later, and and uh, in a professional setting, and and he remembered all kinds of stuff from little league and and uh, stuff that I can't repeat. But um, uh, can we do that in the after dark version? Yeah, in the after dark in, in the gimp room. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do the after dark. Um, and he he told me this is in the eighties, and he told me, you know, he's he's a little guy, and he said, you know what, all these guys weren't training like I was. I was in the gym every day. I was working hard. I just you know, uh, coach um, Seifert. What is it? No, no, not not him. Uh, the other coach. I don't know. Loved him because he worked so hard and he had this. Mm. And he had some agility in him, mm. but he was being told by the big sign names 
like, what are you doing? Why are you in the gym? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And he was constantly growing himself, evolving himself and getting stronger and learning techniques and all these things. And here he was, he's playing with a Super Bowl team, you know, basically Super Bowl winner team. So, um, and I see that too. He had, he wasn't just, you know, doing his role. Yeah. Just like you're saying, he was, he was doing his part or there's playing a, his part. There's a lovely sports documentary. It features Jerry Rice, Wayne Gretzky and Pele. And it basically, the guy who, uh, what is, is an author and he, he looks into a lot of the research around what makes the greatest the greatest. Yeah. And what they find is in most sports, and I think this is true in most businesses, measure completely the wrong stuff. Mm. So I think there's some sort of sprint 40 thing that you do for football. Mm -hmm. How fast are you over 40, 40 meters or 40 yards or whatever? Yeah. He says, in most cases, that'll throw up the wrong people. And it, and it has no determination of how good you are with your hands and all of these other, other things. Right. And that's true in business as well. We measure output a lot, a lot of task-related stuff. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, when you think about the team that we shared, we were on a global brand team yep. that did a lot of programs that reached all through our marketing efforts. And we often came to you and you, your part, in, it wasn't your role at all, it had nothing to do with your role, but your part in the team was around thinking about how do we do these things, how do we bring people on board, you know, what is the state of people if we bring this initiative together, what is it that we need to think about about how they're going to feel? Mm -hmm. That was your part. Mm -hmm. And you were the name, right? We'd go to Chris for that. Mm -hmm. That's what it means to be effective in business mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, 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 you know, I say, we, we call it personal brand and all this sort of stuff, but right. it's really the human you are. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, that, yeah. and if you show yourself, and there's vulnerability in that, but if you show yourself, then that's who you are. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing, you know, to, to yeah. have that distinction. You know, when um, uh, we were talking about a lot of these things, like a lot of people come to their own conclusions and from one way or another. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about your journey and just uh, going back a little bit, um, just a few years, uh, <laughs> uh, your upbringing and, and things that you could think of in your, uh, by your upbringing that have influenced you and created the Fiona that we know and love. Um, and I, I gotta say, like, people, like, don't ever just like you. People love you. <laughs> like, you are loved by many people. So, but anyways, let's just Thank talk you. about a little bit about, um, you know, you're, 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 you're growing up your roots, uh, yeah. things that kind of made you who you are. So I um, am fourth of five children in seven years, boom, boom, Irish breeding. Yes. Then we, then, <laughs> then we got a TV. Ding. <laughs> uh, <And it> stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, there's three boys and then I was the first girl. And then my sister as well. So we lived in a very sort of competitive house, you know. Oh, hold on. Just make sure we don't capture this. These mics will capture that sound. Um, the plane playing over. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, force one coming in. Um, and so it, it it was by nature a rambunctious, very um, competitive house. Mm. But my my family, my mum and dad were both the youngest of big Irish families, who were both country people, farm people. Mm. So uh, my mum was the youngest of thirteen, and my dad was the second youngest of nine. And of course, no education, no farm, 
you know, they, they have to, and so they both left Ireland and came to the UK as common, common power path. Uh, and they met, they worked in the local car factory. And um, my dad saw my mum and thought, wow, and she's a challenge. And that's a Norton mentality is there's, okay, this isn't going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. And that's kind of a Norton thing. With all your siblings and yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, we are. Don't we, even hesitate. No. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah. And yeah. One standard deviation from the mean, the core of a Norton is entirely the same. Never wrong, stubborn, love a party, will never knows when to go home, you know, and loves <laughs> a great story. Dances whether they can or they can't. All of that sort of stuff. Dances what? Whether they can or they can't, they're going to dance anyway. I love it. Um, So we're we're all of that nature in the middle. And then as we get further out towards the edges, we're all a little bit different. I bear witness to all of those traits. You've seen seen all the Norton boys in action. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So so I think, you know, there's an element, there's an Irish heritage in there. There's a, a strong emphasis on education. Mm. And my mum and dad, you know, says you can do whatever you want. All my brothers got um, onto um, football books to pay for for championship football teams. Mm -hmm. My dad said, nah, you go and get your degree. Wow. You can play as much football as you want. And, and, you know, and and to that the boys' credit, none of them ever resented that. You know, they they just went on and got their degrees. And so that was the ethos in our house is education is mobility. Mm. My journey, I guess my journey was... um, uh, I, I, I kind of, I'm a bit of a, a busybody. I like music, I like sport, I liked everything, you know, and I tried to, to sort of try my hand at most things. And um, I have enormous energy. That's another aspect of me that can be a little intimidating. There's quite a mm-hmm. bit about me that's intimidating. Mm-hmm. My energy levels is one, you know, mm-hmm. if he's coming out, it's going to yeah. be a long night. Yeah. You know, so, so there's, there's an element of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a lot of passion for trying new things. I don't like to do things that I've already done. When I was a snotty, red-faced child, I wanted to be the first prime minister. And then there was Thatcher. Then I wanted to be the first woman on the stock exchange. And then there was somebody else. Then I wanted to be the first woman something else. So it was an obnoxious little child. Um, but I had that sort of drive, you know. As I went through my career, um, that changed a little into doing things that matter and doing new things. I, mean, I really don't like you know, old stuff. So even when I worked for a big company like Mars, I was in the electronics division and we were doing, you know, unattended point of retail. We were one of the first companies that made a self-checkout terminal. Um, When I worked with Sega, we were the first company where Virgin to put the gaming on the screens in airplanes. Ah. So a lot of that sort of first type stuff, we did the first ever SMS competition in the UK. So uh, that was a SMS competition? Yeah, so the first time anybody ever voted via SMS was a, a campaign that, that I ran with Vodafone. Wow. So, but back, and, you know, we, we, we mailed it to 500,000 people and got seven replies. You know, it was rubbish. Yeah. But it was the first one. Yeah, yeah. And now, of course, that's how we do Britain's Got Talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's yeah. Just, just being there at the front. Um, I get that's exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think the other joy that I've had is I found the right job. Marketing for me, I was an economist through trade, and then my early part of my career came up through product, made mm. things that people care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so for me, marketing is the perfect blend. You've got the human condition, which intrinsically is five, six things. Do you love your family? Are you ambitious for your career? Are you risk averse? 
do you like new things? And, you know, ultimately some of the dark side stuff, do you stop yourself being successful? But those, are, those haven't changed through time. Those are the same things. Mm. How we do it, our phones, uh, our relationships, all these sorts of things have changed massively. Yeah. The sense of connection. Right. Um, so you've got the human condition is the first thing. Marketers have to understand that. Yeah. You've got economics. Will it make any money? And then you've got the art and science of desire. Do I need it? Do yeah. I want it? Do I need it? Everything is an emotion sandwich. Emotion, logic, emotion. With that approach for the way marketers look at customers, potential customers, you can use that same model on how you manage. I mean, it's yeah. the same exact thing, right? I mean, exactly. I hadn't really realized that until just now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's why, you know, to say you, your work here is exactly the same sort of stuff around why. Why do people decide that at this point I need this and not this? Where, where yeah. are the triggers for that? Mm-hmm. How do you help people feel good about stuff? And amidst that now, I mean, some of the things I worry about now is this sense of disconnection. You know, we're more connected via technology and less connected emotionally and spiritually to people. Yeah. Um, and, and so we have a job to do as managers, leaders, people, humans, to overcome the sense of low self-esteem and loneliness. Yeah. You know, those, those are bigger evils in the world than many of the things that we get very uptight about. And you're saying as managers to, to recognize that with, with the people that you manage. Yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. Because I often, you know, the, the, the actual outcome of being fired at work is quite rare. Mm-hmm. Why do people hold so much anxiety about it? Mm-hmm. That, that to me is, you know, such a such a, a, a sad way to live your life. It's a miserable existence to yeah. be doing well at work in the eyes of everybody else, but you feel like, yeah, what if I do this wrong? Uh, yeah, such, yeah. A, such a, you know, there's no need to feel like that. Yeah. And we as managers have an obligation to stop people feeling so anxious at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, what if, what if it's just, I mean, what if there is reason? Uh, for messages they got from uh, other, you know, the kind of, you know, I'll say messages they got from other management teams or, or just anybody else that they've heard. I, you know, I mean, you don't want to like sugarcoat it. No. So uh, when that does happen, what, what, how do you handle that? Well, I um, am known, you know, as I say, there's only one of me. There's no work fee and no other fee. There's just one fee. The only range, as you've seen in many cases, good and bad fee, mm-hmm. right? So good fee um, generally um, has has a filter that will put the right thing first, mm-hmm. and bad fee has a filter to put the fun thing first, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, and and hopefully without too much detriment to anybody else. But um, but I am known for tough love. It's back down to this sort of sense of tell the truth compassionately. Mm. So does that come from your family, your dad, your mom, anybody, or is it just something? My, my mom very much so. My, my, yeah. my mom would not sugarcoat anything, mm-hmm. um, but she was also very positive, and she loved people. Mm-hmm. She would she would laugh till she cried, mm-hmm. and she loves a good story, and she'd love to have all the banter around the table, and yeah. you know, and there was a there was a big kudos in our house to make the rest of the people laugh. Mm-hmm. So humor is a big big aspect to how I've been through mm-hmm. through life. Yeah. The other gift, I guess, I brought with me is I read enormous amount when I was a kid and through, all through my life, 
So I have the words, not in the way Trump has the words, but I have the words. So I can tell a good story. I can engage people. Yeah. And I think that that's been one of my skills is that yeah. um, I, I can inspire through a, a well-told story, mm-hmm. honestly framed. Yeah. I used to say back in the olden days, um, nobody ever got laid because they got a Samsung phone. In case you missed it, Fiona said, Nobody ever got laid because they got a Samsung phone. You know, as a, as a sense around what is the kudos of your phone. And that's a true way of saying brand matters. Uh-huh. But, you know, yeah, that's yeah. A kind of an example of, of making it real for people. Yeah, yeah. But making your point around why do people queue around the corner to get an iPhone which has got old technology in it. First ones are going to be rubbish because they're full of bugs. You know, it's got a battery life the size of a fart. You know, but yet people do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, there is a general Irish trait, which is storytelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's our, I mean, you know, you have, you attributed that probably to, to, to all the books you've read. Um, but in general, yeah, Irish know how to tell a story yeah. and they spend most of their time socializing, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it rains so much over there. What else are they going to do? Yeah, exactly. Right. A little bit more about you know some uh, milestones that you've come across in your life where you've you know had come to some realizations and made some changes and um, things like that. Is there anything that you mm-hmm. can share out? And by the way, and so what I'm getting at, um, I'm asking these questions because when people hear tips and tricks and things like that, it's nice to hear how they came about. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people can it'll resonate with them and the others, maybe not. But it's also nice to just hear a little bit about it, you know, mm. the story. So anything come to sure. mind for you? Yeah. I think one that, that changed my life on, on my 30th, the New Year's day on my 30th year. Last year. Last year, that's right, yeah, in actress years. Um, <laughs> I had a New Year's resolution to go to five new countries a year. And I'd never traveled, I'd never had a backpack. I was a two weeks in Greece sort of girl up until that point. And that changed my life from the point of view of what I got excited about, what I planned for. Um, I attached a love of whitewater rafting to that. I did that on one of my first trips and I thought, hey, this is the way to know you're alive. Tie your shorts on and hope you get out at the end, you know, and so um, I love that. (laughs) um, Like definitely the risk... uh, life-threatening yeah. was it was it that kind there, of rough? there was that and also i had started my sort of international traveling career yeah so the last place i wanted to be for my holiday was a hotel with neatly folded towels and you know and all of that i was felt brilliant sleeping underneath the raft propped up on two oars and digging your own toilet you know yeah, yeah. and trying not to shit in the back of your shorts you know that's a good day when you manage all <laughs> those things right so uh, so it it, it it was a different way of thinking about how to live yeah. And my mum was like, I don't know, cheers to that one. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. Let's hope we all have the day that we don't shit in the back of our shorts. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring that up to somebody who tells me they had a bad day. <laughs> Did you shit in the back of your shorts? Well, then you had a good day. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Not the worst thing that could happen. So you kind of recraft what like, what, what good looks like. Yeah. And, and you're right about the thrill seeking. I, I, I love the ideas of, you know, summiting, hiking, mm-hmm. you know, doing something different and being able to have your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was before Instagram, so it wasn't about being the queen of Insta or having a finster. It yeah. was just about how do you feel when you go back to work 
yeah. and know that your work life is enriched because you've done something that mattered to you mm. in your personal life. Mm-hmm. So that was a big, big change for me. And, and, and that's when I became a thrill seeker in my career as well. I don't want to do the same old. Ah, yeah. I don't want to try and touch the brand. I want to do something new. Right. And that started my love affair with the mobile industry. It started uh, a sense of what does money look like in the future. Right. And we started to do some pretty digital marketing. Lots of cease and desist letters back in the day. Just trying new stuff. Yeah. And, and, and just pushing the boundary. So felt a bit like, I, I felt um, like we were the mavericks of marketing, if you like, we were right at the front. And, and, and what, what company was that? So the place where I fell in love with marketing again was um, a place called uh, AVG, Antivirus Software, Dallas Ditchwater. But actually, um, you know, it's something we all face now around cybersecurity. Yeah. And it was a pre-IPO country. This was how I was going to get rich and, um, and uh, retire in, in the life I was unaccustomed to. And it was, it was based out in Prague, so we worked. I worked in Prague for four days a week. And I see there was a group of young leaders in the business. J.R. Smith was our CEO, and I was hired by a great guy called Dave Ferguson. But then, to me, I saw the, the scene of Reservoir Dogs, you know, where they're all walking down in the suits. That's what I looked at when I saw the management team. Uh-huh. And I was the second employee in marketing, built a global marketing team, which was kind of the, the sequence of my career in tech was mm-hmm. build a team scale scale marketing but we were Microsoft Essentials launched as part of one of the Microsoft and we they offered pre-security that was no good for us mm. we were the highest download on, on CNET of any software mm. so we didn't need that so we started to do a little bit of sneaky cheeky digital marketing targeting where the Microsoft Essential ads were and you know it's fairly standard practice these days back in the day then it was like who is surfing our wave and we got so many cease and desist letters from Microsoft to the point where the lawyer comes running in and says stop but you know we we had CPAs that you wouldn't even dream of now you wouldn't get anywhere near record-breaking stuff and it was you know CPA cost per activation cost per activation Ah. our base was growing massively and in a pre-IPO world yeah it was amazing and just bright young lads, bright young girls, right. you know, doing some work and saying, what if, what if we yeah. change the banner at 10 o'clock on Tuesday? You know, and just lovely, neat stuff. Yeah. Do you encourage that too? Do you encourage your team to kind of push the limits as well? Or is it a whole different environment? Yeah. No, I, 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 I think there's a lot to be said for um, ingenuity and being a bit cheeky. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. Um, you have to be mindful of your audience. Oh, um, sorry. Um, could you explain cheeky for those in the U.S. who don't understand the term? Right. So cheeky is adorably naughty. You know, you know you've gone over the line a little bit. It's not how you're meant to do it. But if you get caught, you'd get forgiveness mm-hmm. rather than permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's the lovable rogue. Yeah. Um, and and that's where the maverick tendency comes in, really. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not wrong. But it's never been right, mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time it's cheeky because it hasn't been done before, or it's speaking to power, or uh-huh. you know, little guy versus big guy, yeah. us, you know, small prior company versus Microsoft. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's some romance in in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And eventually we did the right thing. And you still operate with some of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think, um, again, when you're working in categories that are emerging, yeah. there aren't any rules. Uh-huh. You know, we had a long time deciding whether to call a smartphone a smartphone because we were scared that every other phone would be a dummy. <laughs> wrong, wrong question, right? Uh-huh. The question is, how attractive is smart? And when you answer that question, there's not a question. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah. So I think, you know, a lot is reframing what you're actually trying to do, mm. throw off some of the old sort of old guard stuff. And, you know, one of the lovely things at PayPal right now is, is a complete reinvention of marketing, you yeah. know, and trying to look at old problems in new ways mm-hmm. um, and understanding the environment we live in now, five-inch environment. You know, everything was served up is here somehow. Mm-hmm. And somebody's making choices, good or bad, around what we get to see every day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's obviously a real dark side to that, but there's also some some beauty and some, some utility, and and just some some just pure delight in doing nice things for people because you use data well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and in the company that you're working for now, PayPal, um, and as with other companies, um, is it is it more of your the your own personal mission that you're looking to you know, satisfy, or is it more, you know, both that and the company, or is it just the company with, you know, where they're headed or what they're trying to do for for the environment or for people? I think it's um, it's a brilliant question because, you know, as we have more orbits of the sun, that question becomes really yeah. important. Yeah. And I think the other big moment in my life that changed my axis was mm-hmm. when you know, I affectionately say get fired from Mars, but when I left Mars, I left Mars in a situation where I was offered a role in another country that I didn't want. Mm-hmm. And it, it was time for me to leave a company that I'd been at for nearly 10 years. And I do call it my forever company. I, I loved Mars. Mm-hmm. I loved being there and I loved the culture and I loved everything about it. Yeah. Um, and I say, you know, affectionately, it's great coming to join, great coming to work for, great coming to be fired by. They were very fair to me uh-huh. in the sense that I left the business. And I still say that if I end up in a Mexican jail, I'm going to call Mars because they would come and get me out. Um, so, you know, it's that sort of sense of belief in their their purpose and, and love for their own associates. Wow. Yeah. So, Chris, let's make sure I don't end up in a Mexican jail. <laughs> no, no, um, and uh, here it's pretty rough. I, 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 I can say that family members have ended up there. Um, uh, that's all. I'll leave it there. Um, but that was a really hard time because I thought I used to be the person who would go in and present to the 5 a.m. shift mm. because I thought it was the right thing to do. I used to be company through and through. Mm. And I never thought there would be a day that I would not be needed at Mars mm-hmm. and I realized that actually you are putting your faith in the wrong thing put your faith in yourself uh, yeah that's who you put your faith in define your own sense of what matters to you yeah and I reinvented that I came from a, what you would call a packaged good company or an FMCG company I moved into tech I had 50, I've had 15 years in tech I worked right with Blackberry um, ABG was my was my wilderness and, and extreme sport part of that HTC, right? You know, and uh, PayPal, and all of those companies were doing new new stuff, yeah, and, and changing the world around them for, for their customers. So I never and never would have got that opportunity, yeah. but I never then became somebody who thought I was more important or I was 
indispensable. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always had the sense that it's not the worst thing in the world if I have to leave here. And when I leave, I will leave a V-shaped hole. Yeah. And they'll talk about V. Yeah. My dad gave me some very clear advice. He says, never go to a place until they know you've been, and never leave a place until they know you've been there. And that's got me in a lot of trouble over the years. But um, it is also a very true piece, is that if you're going to do something, make it matter. Mm. You know, you know my philosophy on this, there's only three things in life. You don't need to look for the meaning of life. To love, to be loved, and to know that you matter. Yeah. And you own that last one. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. You don't need to read loads of books about philosophy. To love, to be loved, and to know you matter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. I love that. All right, well, I got one more question. Mm. I might come up with another one, but for right now. So this is kind of a fun question. This is, do you know in America we have fantasy football? Mm. Okay. Have you ever played fantasy football? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so think of fantasy football in regards to a business that you create and you started or want to start. Um, and... Come pull together your fantasy team for how you'd run that company or just who you would pick out. Now, these could be uh, fictional characters, <clears throat> um, uh, real life, uh, could be superheroes, or whatever it is. And, um, uh, and they could be people that are no longer with us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and come up with your, your team and why you would choose those people. Okay. It's, wow, this is a good one. All right. So, what do I want? I, I want a crazy visionary, right? Um, somebody who can see life around corners. Mm-hmm. Um, and crazy, crazy visionary in terms of, like, just so far off in their vision. Yeah. That it's just kind of like... Uh, Something that you would never conceive of, like average person would never conceive of, yeah. just like just way, way out there. And if you said, you know, a little bit like the Uber story, there's going to be some guy sitting on his sofa watching the game. He's going to get a text that says, it's now worth your while to go in your car, pick up a stranger from a place you've never been before, drop them off somewhere else, and then go back to your sofa. You say that? That'd be ridiculous. That ain't going to happen in a million years. So my crazy visionary, I think, is David Bowie. Mm. I would... Uh, you know the things he did so I'm going to be a persona of an alien dressed in makeup with an androgynous sort of sense and you know and I'm going to make a record out of it oh you are good luck with that mate you know and yet look what we have right. so he's my he's my visionary yeah um, you need an organized person right you need somebody who's going to be the grown-up in the room and say, yeah, all right, David, where are we getting the makeup from? Mm-hmm. And um, who would that be for me? Um, that's quite a hard one. But just someone that is just on task, just, you know, getting it all pulled together. Yeah, getting it all pulled together. But, you know, there's, there's an element here of you want somebody who shows their teeth but doesn't use them. Mm. So you do you do need that amenable authority. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I to me Michelle Obama seems a bit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, she seems like somebody. She's on it. She knows what needs to happen. She's got a good sense of judgment. Yeah. 
You know, she doesn't need to be the front person for you when she talks. So I, 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 she might be my my sort of person who gets shit done. Yeah, organizer. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, then you know you want you want the morale crowd, right? You want a couple of people who are good for morale, who generally are useful. I mean, I'm doing this for myself as well. Obviously, I want to work with this team, so I'm putting Chris Hemsworth in there, whether he's been a Hemsworth. Or wait, who who's Chris? He's I'm sorry. Thor. He's Thor. In, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. So he can be wait, Thor. Wait, hold it, Mike. Why are you really picking him? <laughs> He's one of the top men I would marry without a prenup. I wouldn't care if he took all my money. I'd still marry him. Everyone needs a Hemsworth and he's mine. Okay, but wait. So you're not picking him for uh, any reason for... You're just your own morale. No. no he's what? a brilliant actor. If you saw him in Rush playing James Hunt, he was, he was fantastic. Okay. Right? He's a big guy. can reach the top shelves, right? He's um, He's funny. He's not. He's not primed to to have a joke at his own expense. You saw him in um, Ghostbusters, and and um, you know. And so, I just think he's Mister Adaptable. Don't worry about. I would. I would keep it professional. My hands would be here at all times. So yeah, it would all be cool. But I think we need a Hemsworth. Um, okay. Am I allowed? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Okay. I'm. I'm still allowed. I'm waiting for you to say. The sexy hot hunk <laughs> thing, which I think you should have started with, but you never said it. But, uh, but you're you're being rational about your your. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So now I need a nerd, right? I need somebody who understands how all the networks go and all all of that sort of stuff goes together. You know, there's always one who's in the transit van mm-hmm. in the movies, um, and, right? And so I, I need the transit van nerd who's who puts it all together. Yeah. Uh, again, this is another another big shot because well, everybody's got a role to play here, but they have to also mix, right? You know, what about Q and James Bond? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great shot. Yeah. Exactly. The other person who might also be good is Alfred from Batman. Batman, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. always behind the scenes. Yeah. Always building yeah. stuff, making stuff. Batman's only a man. Right, Alfred's a god. You know, yeah, because Batman could die at any time. Right, without an Alfred. Yeah, we always we always downplay the Alfreds. But you know what? Things happen in that transit van that keeps all the others alive. Mm-hmm. So that's that. I like that. That's a good one. And then, so we've got the nerd, we've got the visionary, we've got the doer, and the got the morale guy. Scared, we've got the morale guy. Um. <laughs> Who's the fifth wheel? <laughs> what else do we need, Chris? Who else do we need? I don't know. If you need a company to um, make it and enjoy it. We, we probably need an agent, right? We need a publicist. That is Chrissy Teigen. You know, oh, um, the, the, the model. Yeah, the model, wife of John Legend, yeah. truth teller, yeah. um, just absolutely 100% authentic. I don't know that she's in our team, but mm. I love the spirit of that. Just say it as it is and you know, have a point of view and not pander to an audience and just say, hey, we, this is how we're doing it. Right. Yeah. So it's somebody, somebody who, who can do that and, uh, and stand on their own two feet and have a moral compass as well around we only say what, what's true. We don't say what we'd mm. like it to be. What did Christy Teigen do that 
with uh, is she running a company or something? Or no, I she's mean, not running a company, but oh. she, she they they obviously have their show, and then um, oh, I what, what she's it's, it's, it's a Twitter thing, and, oh. they're, and they're able in a heartbeat just yeah. to flip between them all, and so some sort of super maybe Tina Fey is a, is you know she would she would be a good publicist as being Tina Fey or as I, being one of her characters. No, no, as being Tina Fey. Okay, yeah, all right, as being Tina Fey. Yeah, yeah I, I could see her standing up on her hind legs and telling her story really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So that's your fantasy team. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I like the Alfred. Yeah. Um, Chris Hemsworth. Is that his name? Hemsworth? Yeah. I don't know about that one. But hey, it's your team. Yeah, he He's not it. your type, is he? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. He did some funny... I saw him do some really funny mm -hmm. stuff. Um, it was similar to a scene in... Um, I think it was the movie Sixteen Candles where... It looked like um, they were doing pull-ups, but they were really just standing on the floor. And Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth did did that. He was holding a bar with one hand. You're like, oh my god! Like his arms are huge, and he he was he was he was standing on the ground. There was something, yeah. But he's a funny guy. I think you can well, judge a lot of people about how well they do on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, and, and they're yeah. guests. Yeah, Timberlake's another one who just oh, blows so, it away on Saturday Night Live. So, he's he's just, very funny guy. Yeah. 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 So I love you, and um, and I am so glad to be part of your life, and I really appreciate you coming and doing this. Um, and up at your beautiful house with this amazing view, that you get to see the most amazing sunset every day that you're here, mm. um, uh, while you're not putting on a million miles a year flying around the world. But um, yeah, it's just. Thank you so much. So no, it's no, been great. it's been, been an absolute pleasure. And we have to eat the pie. We do. Gluten-free pie. And I and this is Mama's Bakery in Las Gatas, North Santa Cruz. If you guys are there, you guys got to get that pie. And Monsu um, is an amazing guy. He's pretty eccentric, really cool guy. And uh, check it out. He's not paying me at all for this. It's just that I love supporting the, the small businessman and not because he's short. All right. Uh, so thank you again. So Excellent. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. Yes. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Since the recording of this podcast, Fiona Naughton has transitioned from her role as VP of Global Marketing at PayPal and founded Nautonomy, her consultancy focusing on brand, marketing, talent, and organizational transformation, amongst other things. You'll likely see her making headway in the Silicon Valley or in your global neighborhood helping companies work on go-to-market strategy, building great products, and digital marketing research and insights. Thanks so much for listening this week. If you like this episode, please share it out on any of the social media platforms that we're on. And it's spelled bourbon and pie. And you spell out the word and. You can email us with ideas and questions as well at 411 at bourbonandpie.com. So a little bit about what I do is, as I mentioned before, that I coach introverts. Sometimes this means getting teams to sort themselves out and increase their happy meter. And happy equals productive and affects the bottom line. But most of the time it's coaching individual introverts. So perhaps you're an introvert who wants to move to the 2.0 version of yourself. Or maybe you see yourself as the Jean-Luc Picard of your team, but others perceive you as recently graduated from flight school. Either way... If you or your team needs a jolt, go to bourbonandpie.com slash mission possible 
and select the questionnaire that best suits your situation. If I find your answers aligned to something I think I could help with, I'll reach out to you and find some time to talk. Or you can just email me at chris at bourbonandpie.com. This show is produced this week by Dr. Carl and Captain Mo with Dr. Carl mastering and editing. The theme song written by Brock Scaresi and produced by FM Mixmaster. My unsung hero this week is my son, Evan. Evan, whom I call Evanuski. He is the heart center and love of our family and keeps us laughing and remembering to stop and smell the roses, or in his case, wildflowers. I'm Chris Escobar saying that pie makes it happy and bourbon keeps it real, and also reminding you to shine your light whenever you can. This is a Boom Boom production. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got an ice cube. Oh, my God. It was an odd-shaped one. Okay. Uh, trying to kill me with this. There's some axe-shaped ice cubes in there. Welcome to Bourbon and Pie. I don't mean to sound this cheesy.